so since the Feast of Stephen, the day after Christmas, I don't know if you've noticed it, but our first reading has pretty consistently been from the first epistle of St. John. Now, the first epistle of John is one of those little books that's in the very back end of the New Testament and sometimes can get ignored. But I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, that first epistle of John. First, um, I want you to talk, I want to talk about, you know, in the first century, um, those who followed Jesus did not refer to their movement as Christianity. They didn't, they didn't think of it in those terms. Instead, they called it, they called themselves followers of the way. In fact, there was a, a translation of the Bible some time back that was entitled The Way. But they called themselves followers of the way. And they did this because of a... Uh, a little saying of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mountain. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, The way is broad, and many find it who lead that leads to destruction. But the way is narrow that leads to life, and few find it. Now, that's about the only reference we have in the Gospels to this teaching of the two ways, the way of the destruction and the way of life. But Jesus must have said a whole lot more about it because it dominates early Christian literature. The, the Christian literature from the first century talks all about the two ways. Two books in particular that focus on that are not books that we have in the New Testament right currently. They used to be, actually. For the first three centuries, these books were part of the New Testament and then uh, stopped being in the New Testament at the Council of Nicaea. In those days, every bishop had his own canon of the New Testament, the books that belonged to the New Testament. And then when they, when they brought them all together and decided, okay, these are the ones we'll keep, these are the ones we leave behind, two that left behind are the Epistle of Barnabas and a book called The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles. Now, that second book, The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles, was basically the first catechism of the Catholic Church. And both of those books focus a great deal upon this concept of the two ways, the way of life and the way of death. And so that dominated much of early Christian literature, and it is the invisible foundation to the first epistle of John. Now, I love the first epistle of John. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful book. And it's kind of like a symphony with three movements preceded by a, this glorious fanfare and it ends not on a tonic cadence but on an open seventh. Does that mean anything to anyone here? <laughs> I guess not. That's okay. That's okay. See, all songs kind of end on this, you know, they come to an end and boom, it all makes sense, that's the end of a song. The, whatever key the song is in is almost always the last note of the song. And that's called a tonic cadence. But the, gospel, the first epistle of John is very different. It, it ends very abruptly as if it should go on. And you're waiting for what comes next, but there's nothing there. So it's it's a wonderful, mysterious, and beautifully written book. Now, 
this fanfare, this glorious fanfare, is a very personal reflection or continuation is probably a better word, a very personal continuation of the prologue to John's gospel. Remember the prologue to John's gospel. In the beginning was the, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and lived among us. The first epistle of John picks up that up and says, that which we have seen with our own eyes, that which we have heard with our own ears, that which we have touched with our own hands, we proclaim to you the word of life. It's beautiful. So he takes this concept of the word becoming flesh and he personalizes it. I saw him. I touched him. I listened to him. I know he was real. He is the word, the word of life. It's beautiful how he opens this first epistle of John's. And then he goes on to these three, three, these three movements I mentioned. And the, there are three movements are, I can get these in the right order, the way of light, the way of righteousness, the way of love. And so this, his book begins with the understanding, with the teaching that God is light and that Christ is the light of the world. Therefore, it is for us to live in the light and to walk as Christ walked. We fought, he is the light who lightens our path. So it's kind of a it's a reflection on what Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to walk as he walked. We're going to live in the light in which he proclaimed. We will walk in the light. And so then the light, and it juxtaposes the way of light with the way of darkness. We do not want to walk in the way of darkness. We do not want to walk in the way of sin. But then he goes on to say, he's a little, di he's a little different in how he does this, because anyway, he's, he's painting with, with brilliant colors. And he says, that we, should not, we should never sin. Anyone who is born of God never sins. But then he says, if we say we don't sin, we make God out to be a liar. <laughs> we all sin. But... We, in Jesus, we have an advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the interesting things about John and all of his writings is he had a brilliant knack to understand, to see us from God's perspective not just from an earthly perspective, but he sees, he sees the whole life of Christ from a heavenly perspective. That's actually the book of Revelation, the life of Christ from heaven's perspective. And so he sees that from heaven's perspective, from God's perspective, because the blood of Christ cleanses us from all right, uh, cleanses us from all sin and bring, restores us to righteousness, 
Well, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ poured over us. But yet, from our perspective, oh, there's plenty of sin, right? <laughs> there's plenty of sin. But John says, that's okay. I know it's going to happen. Everybody sins. But we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus, the righteous. And he is the expiation. He takes our sins away. It's beautiful. But it's a little confusing reading, John, the Apocalypse or his epistles, because you've got to realize, is he looking at this from earthly perspective or from heavenly perspective? So, the way of light. Walk as Christ walked, who is the light. And then the second movement in this epistle is the way of righteousness. How to live righteously in the earth. How to live righteously before God. To shun the devil, to shun sin, and to live a life of righteousness. And actually, that's the part of the, we get, of the epistle we get today in our reading. When Cheryl asked me, what are you going to preach on tonight? I said, I'm going to preach on everybody who sins is a child of the devil. Because <laughs> that's actually in the reading. But, it, but Catherine did a great job. You kind of whip past that real fast. <laughs> but he juxtaposes the life of righteousness and the life of sin. But we are children of God. So we live like children of God, not like children of the devil. The devil has been a sinner and a liar from the beginning. So we live as children of God in truth and in righteousness. But most importantly, when you see it right at the end of the passage we have tonight, but most importantly, that we love our brothers. Unfortunately, he doesn't say brothers and sisters, but I'll add that. We love our brothers and sisters. And then the third movement is... Senior moment. The third movement is the way of love. How can we say we love God whom we have not seen and not love our brother whom we have seen? We, if we love God, we will obey his commandments. And his commandment is this, to love one another. The way of love is the apex of the Christian life. It is the apex of the, it is, it is the sum, right, of the law and the prophets. When Jesus said, love God with your heart, whole mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as ourselves, and John makes it clear, we can't love God unless we love our neighbor. In fact, we love God by loving our neighbor. I love what Mother Teresa used to say, that she would serve Christ in the distressful disguise of the poor. I don't think I got it exactly right, but I'm close. But she, pardon? Distressing disguise, thank you. The distressing disguise of the poor. So she knew that when she committed an act of love towards some, someone, she was loving God through that person. She was seeing Christ in that person, and she was serving Christ as she served. That, as, as Jesus said in, my, in Matthew's Gospel, whatever you do for the least of my brothers, you've done for me. 
So St. John gives us the way of love, which is to serve one another. And he juxtaposes that not just to hate or to anger, but he equivalates hatred and anger with murder. If we are not actively loving our brother, we are murdering our brother. And when you think about it, that makes sense. If we are not serving our fellow man and bringing him to Christ, are, not, are we not sending him to death by our inaction? And then we come to the end of his epistle. And in, in the end, he says, pray for sinners. Pray for sinners. If you see someone sin, pray for them. And then the final line is, it's as, if, it's as if he's beginning another letter. He says, dear friends, stay away from idols. And the letter ends. Now many scholars say because of the abrupt ending to this letter, we don't have the whole thing. There must have, been, must have continued on. But what we do have is so rich. And here's the amazing reality. And this is incredible when you think about it. We know that when we read the Gospels, in fact, in the Gospel of John, John says, I have written this so that you might believe in the Son of God. That was the purpose of the Gospels being written, was to bring people to faith in Christ. And we know from the Gospels that Jesus spent a lot of time with his disciples, teaching them and guiding them and shaping them. But we don't have those, those dialogues. But in these epistles, the little ones at the end of the, of the New Testament, what we have are those who walked with Jesus and listened to Jesus, and we hear them reflecting on Christ's words to them. In other words, if you want to know what Jesus said privately with his 12 disciples, read these last few books in the New Testament. And that would be the epistles of James, epistle of James, the two epistles of Peter, the three epistles of St. John, and the epistle of Jude. And they're all very short. They're all very small. But they are rich in understanding of what Jesus taught to his disciples. Because those were the men who were there. They received that teaching and they shared it in these letters. Now, God bless St. Paul. I love St. Paul. St. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, but he had one essential message, and that was the Gentiles are grafted into the kingdom of God by faith. That's his message. Now, he wrote a lot, and so we sometimes see Saint, the, the epistles of St. Paul as being more important than, than some of the other little books. They're little, right? But these little books are so rich as they truly bring out the teachings of Jesus, these private teachings he had with his disciples. That's what comes out in these books. And I do believe the church gives us this first epistle of John during this Christmas season so that we will not just know about the child in the manger, but that we will know how to follow the child in the manger. And that 
is what John gives us in this beautiful book of the first epistle. And also, I encourage everyone, well, I encourage everyone to this week, read that first epistle of John, beginning to end. It's short. It's five chapters. Read that entire first epistle of John. Meditate on it. Reflect on it. And then go on to read some of those other books, those little books at the end. They're called the Catholic epistles because they're not written to a specific church like Paul's epistles are. They're written to the entire body of Christianity. That's why they're called the Catholic epistles. Read those and realize that what you're listening to is someone's reflection who sat at the feet of Jesus and then shared what Jesus had to say to us. Let's go to God now in prayer.